0: After a disastrous spell in the 1960s, the future of the Jesus film looked in doubt. Nicholas Ray's King of Kings and George Stevens's Greatest Story Ever Told had both flopped spectacularly, and the genre looked tired and unpopular with audiences. In particular, plodding biblical epics seemed to hold very little appeal for the younger generation that was coming through. So, it was something of a surprise when two young English writers, Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber, crafted a hit rock opera based on the events leading up to Jesus' death. Unusually, Jesus Christ Superstar started life as a group of individual songs about Jesus, which were collected into an album. The album proved a smash hit and led to successful runs on Broadway and in London. Having enjoyed critical and financial success with another musical, Fiddler on the Roof, director Norman Jewison decided he wanted to make Superstar into a film. Jewison wanted to film in Israel and used a set largely composed of Roman ruins. This, combined with the costumes that were part biblical and part modern, gave the film a distinctive look to accompany its memorable score. The results seemed dated and a little camp today, but then they were a potent mix, and Lloyd Webber and Rice added a successful film to their already impressive resumes. Instead of trying to locate the story in the past, the film opens with a bus full of modern day students arriving in the desert. As the overture plays, the students get off the bus and laugh and joke as they unpack the props that they will use to recreate the story. Hence this film tells the Jesus story within another story, one set in the modern era. Opera, even one written for an electric guitar, is a very different medium to standard film something Jewison was aware of in his casting. When he was questioned over his choice of the blue-eyed Bob Bingham to play Jewish High Priest Caiaphas, he stressed how it was Bingham's voice, not his looks, that were important. The result was that most of the actors used for the piece were unknown prior to the films release. Whilst the actors playing Pilate and Mary Magdalene had been part of the cast for the original album, the rest had little by way of reputation. What they did have, however, was impressive voices. The lead roles of Jesus and Judas are both fairly challenging, yet Ted Neely and Carl Anderson gave impressive performances. Neely later described his counterpart's voice as the greatest ever human voice. Whilst that's something of an exaggeration, there's no denying that Anderson's raw power gives a certain vitality to the role. That turns out to be fairly important because initially questions were raised about the appropriateness of using a black actor to play history's greatest villain. Such questions miss two vital points. Firstly, that Anderson's impressive vocals and vulnerable acting mean that Judas comes off as a tragic heroic figure. He's far more nearly Jesus, even in spite of his self-absorption. The other point is that, is that really it is Jesus rather than Judas who is the bad guy. Whilst he is not deliberately villainous as Herod is, or weak and yet despicable like Pilate, his failure to resist the hype surrounding his movement throws it into jeopardy. And it is Judas who speaks out and acts to save the nation. The penultimate title song shows a Judas who is vindicated and finally able to ask Jesus the hard questions that went unheard during his time on earth. By using the medium of rock opera, Superstar is also able to investigate the main characters in the story more closely. Typically, films adopt a single viewpoint, that of a narrator who may or may not be one of the characters, or a neutral or objective standpoint. Musicals are different, however. It is a fairly standard feature that the lead characters sing solos to the audience. Solos can be more personal than a more realistic monologue, speech and this enables the audience to temporarily see things from their point of view. It means viewers see inside their minds and get to hear their inner thoughts. Superstar uses this technique to great effect. There are so many solos it is hard to imagine that it's a great production in which to be a member of the chorus. Instead Judas, Jesus, Mary, Simon, Pilate and Herod all have at least one solo whilst Peter, Annas and Caiaphas get significant chunks of dialogue within duets. The result is that for the first time in the history of Jesus in film, we get to see the story from multiple points of view. In particular, Jesus' solo Gethsemane really tries to get inside the mind of Jesus. Whilst this is often the most intimate moment in films about Jesus, Superstar goes further than any of the previous biopics. Looking back on this film 34 years later, it seems strange to think that it was quite so controversial at the time. Yet at least four major objections to the film were raised. According to Jewison, the BBC even found the idea of a singing Jesus too hot to handle. Other complaints focused on the appropriateness of a black Judas, whilst a third group of people protested against the film's anti-Semitism. If Judas is disgusted by the reaction of Jesus to the crowd's adulation, then it stands to reason that his disdain for them is even greater. And when this large, fickle and crucially Jewish crowd turn against Jesus, pressuring a weak pilot into murdering him, then it's fairly clear why some Jewish groups objected. However, perhaps the largest controversy surrounded the film's ending. Instead of including a victorious resurrection scene, the film follows Jesus' crucifixion with the images of the now-subdued students getting back on the bus. But the actor playing Jesus is not present, and the film closes with a shot of an empty cross up against the sunset. A fortuitous piece of timing meant that this shot is superimposed with a shepherd taking his sheep across a distant hill. Many interpret this shot as denying the resurrection, yet it is clearly intended to be ambiguous. In the theatre, it is usual for the actor playing Jesus to return to take a bow wearing dazzling white, an act that points towards the resurrection. But cinema has no equivalent to taking a bow. Given the film is part of the passion play tradition, the absence of a resurrection scene is nothing more than would be expected. Furthermore, it's hardly novel. Even as far back as 1912, the resurrection was omitted from Sidney Olcott's From the Manger to the Cross. And it was only four years previously, in 1969, that the TV version of Dennis Potter's play, Son of Man, ended far more bleakly, with a defeated Jesus hanging on the cross. Despite having dated so greatly, and for all the criticisms aimed at it, the music still remains strong, and Rice and Weber's rock opera still thrives today. 1999 saw the redesigned version of the stage show being filmed and released on video. Whilst it's no longer as groundbreaking as it once was, it still has a far wider appeal than just those who go to church or watch religious films. Thanks for listening. Next month I'll be looking at the animated Jesus film, The Miracle Maker.